If you're wondering if I got this shirt at Walmart or Target or if you can get one, the answer is no. Uh, this is an Indonesian batik shirt. So when Pastor and I were texting about the uh, dress code, I said, I'm going native today. So I hope that's okay with you. Hopefully my short sleeves will bring some warm weather to New Jersey. Amen? All right. And uh, as Pastor mentioned, I am uh, I'm from New Jersey. You know, I can say that here in you guys aren't going to throw stuff at me, you know. So um, believe it or not, you know, I speak all over the United States and I generally don't lead with, I'm from New Jersey. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't even get chuckles and laughs. It's usually, if I did that, it would be dead silence, you know. So, um, but yes, I am uh, New Jersey born and raised and um, just amazing and amazed at um, and thankful for the journey that the Lord has brought uh, my wife and I, our family on over the years, and I'm very thankful for his hand and his call. Um, but today I want to I share a message, but before I do that, I better talk about what I have with me here. So um, we have some missions uh, resources that I, I brought along. We've got some books and, and, and a few other uh, things. So um, the, everything that I brought is a $5 donation. I'm not allowed to sell, okay? So uh, I can take check, card, cash, and if you say to me, I want it as a donation, I will give it to you for free, okay? Um, and so when I say everything is $5, that means uh, it's equivalent to a gallon of gas, all right? And I can assure you that uh, an Asia-Pacific book is better than any gallon of gas you could ever buy, all right? So um, the, the first book is my book uh, that I wrote, Apostolic Spark. And it just talks about apostleship and how that works in missions and that we need apostles to finish, uh, you know, the unfinished task of world evangelism. And then we have a Go uh, journal. It's a 40-day uh, journey uh, based on the time of ascension to resurrection. I'm sorry, resurrection to ascension. And during those 40 days, the word go is used 32 times in the Bible with eight imperatives. So five devotionals on the eight imperatives, 40 days, missionary stories. Uh, this will really encourage you and inspire you. And then um, we've got our Revelation book. And so if you want to know when Jesus is going to return, don't buy this book, okay? Because it's about missions and how missions plays a part in Revelation. And so great uh, read on the book of Revelation. And then the last book I have is called Empowered, which is a 10-day devotional about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and what it's for. You know, some people kind of are confused a little bit about what is this whole Pentecostal charismatic thing about? Well, it's really about empowering us for life, empowering us to live and walk out our Christianity. Very simple 10-day devotional based on the book of Acts. Uh, this one's written by me. Some of the others were written by other authors. And if you don't like to read, but just want to have fun, all right? We also uh, have our Asia-Pacific mascot, which is a Malayan tapir. And we're trying to teach kids about missions. And the Malayan tapir is an endangered species. So if you talk to kids about in unreached people groups, they have no idea what you're talking about. But if you say, what's an endangered species, they know what that is. So Toby, the tapir, um, teaches kids 
to pray for endangered peoples, which are people that are in danger of never hearing the gospel. So it's got a little t-shirt, pray for endangered peoples. Each top ear is marked with a different people group in Asia Pacific that has never been reached. And it's a reminder to pray for them. You got kids, you got grandkids, also uh, $5. And if you buy one, you'll be the only person in Freehold, New Jersey with a stuffed top ear, okay? All right. So uh, it is, again, my privilege to be back here with you again. Um, I want you to know that the church has supported our ministry throughout the 30 years that we've been, um, you know, missionaries. Uh, You know, our, our needs in the early years were the monthly support. Thank you for your faithfulness and regular sending in of that monthly support. And now my needs are raising money for these projects. And I'm going to talk about a different one you helped me with at the end. But I just want you to know uh, your faithfulness has been amazing, your help. Um, I'm just so appreciative. And I know many of the other missionaries are as well. This morning, I want to talk about our mission's theme for the month, which is He is Worthy. And, you know, the uh, the theme verse is out of Revelation. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to read you some of the scripture from Revelation so that, you know, you've just got some context about where Revelation 5.9 comes from and why we've got this theme of He is Worthy. So uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Am I controlling this from here or are you guys doing it in the back for me? Okay, you guys got me covered. Good. So I'm going to read you the scripture, Revelation 5, 6 to 12. And uh, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and here's what it says. It says, Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words, You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it, for you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. May God add His blessing to the Word this morning. You know, if you want to get a picture of heaven, you just got one right here. Uh, You know, people ask, and I I think we have some preconceived ideas from choruses we sang and ideas we had of what heaven will really be like. But I want you to know that as humanity, our end goal is heaven. 
We don't always think about it. We don't always hear a lot of sermons about heaven. Uh, We almost never hear any sermons about hell anymore. But this is a picture into heaven. And I want you to know this may come as a surprise, but heaven is going to be better than New Jersey. Thank God, right? There won't be any traffic on the Garden State Parkway in heaven, right? (laughs) Or wherever we drive. You know, as good as our life we think is here, you know, heaven is going to be this place of really in many ways we see this picture of praise before God in heaven. And, you know, when, when it talks about the, the thousands and millions of angels later on joined with the millions of voices of humanity, it will be this roar of worship and praise to the Lamb who is worthy that's going to shake our being at that time. So the first thing I want you to know about he is worthy is that he is worthy of praise. He is worthy of praise. A couple things that kind of jump out in my mind and, and out of the scripture. First of all, I want you to know that he is worthy of praise because he saved us. I can't get into my missionary stories if I don't remind myself that I was just a kid in Wayne, New Jersey at the age of 15. And there was a moment where I, as a sinner, needed to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just about us in missions going out and telling others this great story that Jesus saves, but it's about the fact that you and I, no matter where we came from, there was a moment where we surrendered our lives to Christ and we said, yes, Jesus, save me. I hope today as we talk about missions, you'll be brought to that moment where you gave your heart to Jesus and he changed your life forever. You know, I always like to tell people, God has no grandchildren. (laughs) Everybody, no matter who it is, needs to come to this reckoning in this moment where we give our lives to Him. And our lives, after that, should be filled with praise and worship because Jesus saved us of our sins. You know, praise and worship does seem to be, you know, so... Um, incredibly valuable, you know, in heaven and in the kingdom of God. Uh, you know, I, I, Liz and I, part of our missionary history and journey was, you know, we, we arrived in Indonesia as young 20-year-olds and, you know, no kids or anything. And, um, you know, the, the, the missionary mentor said, you know, what are you good at? That was like his opening line to me. You know, can you imagine? What are you good at? <laughs> You're 25, you know, Liz was 22. And it's like, um... Yeah, no, <laughs> you don't have an answer. And you think, well, I'm an okay communicator, I think. Uh, you know, Liz likes to do children's ministries, but that's about all we've got, you know. And so um, the niche that we found was uh, planting churches, establishing local churches like you have right here uh, in Freehold, New Jersey, a community of believers. And, and we focused on places that had never heard the gospel before. And I want you to know there's something about establishing the praise of our Heavenly Father and of Jesus Christ in a place where His name has never been glorified and never been praised. That even though you're in a city where there are no Christians and there are no churches, he is still worthy of praise. 
So uh, one of the things that we did once, you know, we'd established a church and after we had, you know, a, 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 a critical mass of people to pull this off, annually we would do 24 hours of praise Always on Muhammad's birthday, by the way. <laughs> so it was always a holiday. And if you're a Christian, you basically weren't celebrating. So it was like, and, and stuff was closed down. So it was like, okay, what are we going to do? And so we established that every year on that day, from 7 p.m. the day before till 7 p.m. the next day, we would do 24 hours of praise and worship because what David and Solomon did in the temple was they established 24-7 worship. And somebody said to me once, well, is anybody going to come out to this when we first started talking about it? And I'm like, it doesn't matter if anybody attends or doesn't attend. He is still worthy of being praised around the clock in these places where his name has never been praised. And so we had two rules in our 24 hours of worship. No preaching and no intercessory prayer. Now, I know that's like a horrible rule. You guys get the no preaching rule. You're like, thank goodness, right? <laughs> we hear sermons all the time, you know. But I said, uh, no intercessory prayer. And because we did a lot of other praying, but there's like, why not? And I said, let's just take 24 hours and not ask God for anything. No. I mean, all often it's like, we're Lord, we're in, we're in worship and prayer, and now it's like, you know, my aunt or my uncle is sick, or I need a new job, or, you know, I, I'm looking for a house, or, you know, I need a car. You know, we, we've got this, this list of things that we're asking God for when we get in His presence. And I said, no, when we get in God's presence for those 24 hours, let's just say He is worthy of praise. Even in the midst of being in a Muslim country and, and in a Muslim city, he's still worthy of praise. And it was amazing. You know, I, I like set down the rules, you know, so, you know, we, we'd go throughout this thing. People still got healed. <laughs> People still got caught. You know, it's funny. People would be like in worship, you know, for, you know, several hours and they're like, no. All of a sudden, I realized I was healed. All of a sudden, I realized God was giving answers. It was amazing to see that when we say He is worthy of praise, He does amazing things. He's worthy of praise because not only did He save us, but He also collects our prayers. You know, I, I love this thing in here where uh, it talks about these uh, these elders, in the second half of verse 8, it says, Each one had a harp, and they held golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Do you realize that your prayers are filling up incense bowls in heaven? Our prayers earlier for Diane Laws and, and, and the Adams family and, you know, uh, different people that we were praying for, that, that these were prayers that God was hearing. You know, I don't know about you, but there's times where we pray and we think that God is not hearing our prayers, right? How many of you have like, there's this prayer request that you've been praying for for even years and you wonder to yourself, I want you to know that that's a bowl being filled in heaven. 
He's worthy of praise because he answers prayer and he collects those prayers. I, I, I'm going to share a testimony of, of prayer and how God answered it. Um, one of my joys, and, and this is online right now because I'll have to take the names of the countries and the people out. So if I'm being nebulous about the country, it's because I don't want anybody to get arrested or anything. Okay. So um, <clears throat> one, of, one of the joys of my job now is interviewing all the new missionaries that come and want to serve in, in Asia Pacific. And uh, we were in that interview week, and it's really a great week because people are sharing their testimony and their call. And uh, sometimes when you know a little bit too much, it's not good for you, right? So this young couple comes in, and the, the, the wife uh, pulls, in the interview time, she pulls a piece of, like, lined notebook paper with the frayed edge, right? She pulls this old piece of paper out, and she, it's a, pencil drawing and she said when I was a teenage girl I had a vision of this and I wrote it down and I didn't know what it was a couple of years later I realized it was the exact outline of a province in a country in Asia Pacific and she gave the name of the province and the name of the capital and and I was gripped with doubt, <laughs> I have to admit, I was gripped with doubt because it's in a country that is limited access to uh, to missionaries for sure, and it was in and we had we had squeezed like one couple into this country with all kinds of restrictions, and it was in a province in that country in a capital where there's never been a church in all of human history and there's never been a missionary to serve there in all of the history of our mission. So they're, they're showing this to me, and I'm going, hey, that's great, and maybe we can get you in the country, but, you know, I don't, you don't want to overpromise as the boss, right? You know, so I'm like, well, thank you for the testimony, you know. <laughs> they raise their budget. They get ready to go. COVID hits. Still couldn't really get them in the country, but we were about to sneak them in on a, a certain way. But COVID hits, and they can't, they, they can't leave. The country is completely locked down, and they've raised their budgets. Like, what do we do, right? So we, we attached them to a church in the United States that had an immigrant population from people from that country nearby. And the pastor said, I'll take them on staff, and they can, no obligation, but they can reach that, be a part of our church and try to reach that population. So we have this breakthrough prayer week. By the way, this is like really current. We have this breakthrough prayer week less than a year ago for the whole region of all the missionaries. And I said, everybody submit requests. So they submit a request. We want a visa for the country. We want to serve in that province. And we want to live in the capital. But I'm reading the requests and I'm still like full of doubt. But we fast, we pray, everybody's praying, crying out to God, Lord, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. And the week after our breakthrough prayer week, they said, they, they, they contacted me and said, you're not going to believe this. I love when somebody says you're not going to believe this. Among that immigrant population, we reached a family who owns a university in that province, in that capital, and they're going to hire us as university teachers to go and to live. We're leaving in a month. 
No, this is historic, friends. This is amazing. And what I want to say, and by the way, they're not only there now, but they've won people to the Lord and are establishing a local church in this city that's never had a church in all of human history. I want you to know that this is God at his best, and this is God on the move, and this is God's people pouring prayers into an incense bowl and the Lord can smell that incense and he says, now the bowl is full. It's time. It's time. It's time. He's worthy of praise because every prayer we pray fills up a bowl in the throne of heaven and God will answer the prayers of his saints when we pray. He is worthy of praise because of that reason. The second thing I want you to know is that he's worthy of sacrifice. He's worthy of sacrifice. You know, throughout the the revelation description of what's going on, whenever the lamb comes forward, it's not just like they pet the lamb, they sheared the lamb, like, you know, they took care. No, they slaughtered. The lamb. John, who wrote Revelation, goes to great lengths here that several times he doesn't, he he uses this word that the lamb was slaughtered for you and for me. You see, I want you to know that Jesus paid an ultimate sacrifice for you and for me. We can't ever allow ourselves as followers of Christ to forget that the God sent himself in human flesh down to earth to be among us and then to physically, verbally, and every other way be abused here on this planet and ultimately hang on a cross and die for you and for me. When I say he is worthy of sacrifice, I'm talking about our sacrifice. You know, in the Christian message, it's not really popular to suffer for Jesus, is it? Right? No, it's just not a popular message. Matter of fact, I think for the most part, the message of Christianity today is no, like we're overcomers, we're victorious. And, um, you know, if there's any suffering involved, we've got to overcome. And of course, I, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong in that message, but I want you to know that if we choose to sacrifice for him, that he is worthy of the sacrifices that we make. I, I wish I can't, I don't have time to talk about, you know, the, the, the sufferings that Liz and I endured over eight church plants. I do want you to know that it seemed that at every church plant, as we came to the end of turning that church over, we were generally forced to leave because of persecution. This was the course. If you read the book of Acts, this was the course of things. I, I want you to know that our missionaries on the field are, are sacrificing for the Lord. Now, many of them will never get up and say, well, hey, I'm sacrificing for the Lord. You know, they, they do it joyfully. And yet, when I meet single young ladies who are saying, no, I'm going to go live in a foreign country. I'm going to leave the comforts of my state. I feel it right here. Uh, You know, recently one of our families who'd moved over to Asia Pacific, um, they have three children under four. That's somebody's grandkids, by the way. 
I have three children under four, learning a language, Muslim country, and they, they rent this house. And they said they were in their living room one day, and they noticed, like, dust falling from the ceiling. Well, somebody came in and looked at it and said, no, your entire house is eaten with termites, and it's about to collapse. You better get out. So they're displaced for a month. The husband, being outside of their normal places to be able to cook, he gets typhoid. The wife then comes down with COVID. They have three kids under four. Well, that's my daughter and my grandkids. You know, you want to get on a plane and go help them, but... um, There's a seven-day quarantine, and it's like, by the time you get there and go through quarantine, you're just, the crisis will be over. But he's worthy of sacrifice. Yeah, they got through their crisis that just happened last month. And my son-in-law right now is in Borneo. As I speak, he's in Borneo, preaching and and working. He's worthy of sacrifice. Um, let me just read one more. This was a written testimony. I, I want to read this. I'm going to go on to my last point. This is one of our, our missionaries writing to my wife. She wrote, Hi, Liz. I'm requesting prayer. I thought COVID might go on the back burner with all the problems here, but today we're going to level three alert for COVID on the island where we serve. I'm not even sure what that means. I can't search it because our internet signal has been gone Because we haven't had electricity in four weeks. But we've heard that people are panic buying again in preparation for a big lockdown. And some cities here have already started not letting anyone on the streets unless they have a vaccination card. I'm so tired of this. It feels like these gigantic waves keep crashing over us and knocking us down. As soon as we get back on our feet and feel slightly normal, another wave slams into us. It's exhausting. But at the same time, there are so many people who have it so much worse than I do. I can't imagine not having electricity for four weeks. But So how can I complain? I'm just tired and overwhelmed and want to cry today. I really just want to pack up and go back to America and have a normal life. I think I've reached my breaking point. Please pray for me to quit trying to do everything on my own and to let God be my strength. He's worthy of sacrifice. So like when you are giving your monthly support, these are the kind of people that you're giving to. This this family runs a children's home with a hundred junior high and senior high aged girls who've been rescued off the street from trafficking. They can't go anywhere. They got they're responsible for a hundred for a hundred young women. They can't go anywhere. Okay, last point. He's worthy of riches. You know, I love the the end of the uh, the, the revelation there. Um, you know, at the end, verse twelve, and they sang in a mighty chorus. Uh, and by the way, I've been reading Revelation in my devotions. I'm be- beyond this chapter, but um, you know, it it talks about these mighty roars throughout, 
And it's just going to be, I just sense in my spirit, this is going to be just an incredible time of praise. But it was a mighty chorus, and it's saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And I want to focus in on riches because, you know, the reason we're here today and talking about this is we're talking about our missions pledge for the year. You know, when, when, it, when we get to that point and it says he's worthy of riches, we, we can't dip into our 401 at that point and say, Lord, here's the riches. You know, the riches are going to be the, the investments we made in the refugees of Ukraine, the pastors of Vietnam, uh, the, the things that you're already doing. But if you're here today and, and you're wondering about investing, I just want you to know that investing in missions and in the kingdom of God is going to be what we're going to be throwing at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was, Lord, throughout our lives, we pledged and we gave. And these are the riches that we're going to be surrendering over to the Lord. And it's going to represent souls. It's going to represent lives rescued. It's going to represent children in LAC that were helped and found Jesus because of a meal and an education. Those are the things that we're going to be throwing at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is worthy of our riches. Um, you know, last year, and, and, and let me just say this, um, for those that are here today, you've made a missions pledge in the past. I encourage you that, that you would continue to do so. But maybe you're new uh, to First Assembly of God here in Freehold and you've never done this before. I, I just want you to know this thing is transformative. And this is the heart of God in many ways. You know, I love that the church said, no, we're also going to double this Ukraine offering from the general fund. This is what we do. We don't think about ourselves. We think about someone else outside. So I want to read one final story. I feel like I need to read it verbatim because it's just a great little story. And I'm closing with the story. Um, you know, I said, you, know, you just saw me receive a, a check for funds for um, our Vietnam churches. But last year, I had a, a need as well. And sometimes the needs are to train, you know, more pastors. The ones that we're helping today are ready to launch the ones last year we, we needed help for, for training. And so I just want you to know, last year, even though I didn't show up with my nice shirt, that you guys seeded into our ministry. But here's what you seeded into. This is a testimony not written by me, but one of our missionaries. Here's what he says. 19 years ago, I trekked to the village of Naguragum. In spite of a warm reception by this pre-Christian community, we were never able to gain any traction with a church plant. We simply couldn't get any pastors to agree to serve in such a difficult-to-reach location. Over the last few years, groups of students from Sanma Bible Training Center have visited neighboring villages of the same tribe. Graham, center in the photo, was visiting the village of uh, Votumba when the students ministered there for a weekend. Graham gave his life to the Lord, was baptized in water and in the Holy Spirit, and formally married his wife, who he had purchased years before. This is the natural things. 
In March of 2021, he called Pastor Peter, the principal of SBTC, and asked if he could enroll in Bible school so that he could plant the church in Naguragum on the island of Santo. Non-Christian men wear a loincloth. It is a public statement of still being animist and serving the ancient gods. Graham arrived at the school in a loincloth. He insisted that Alicia, this is the missionary's daughter who's serving there, take a picture and send it to me with the message. Tell the missionary, this is the last day I will ever dress as a pagan. Pray with me for Graham and his wife. They have a massive learning curve ahead of them, learning how to read and write, learning God's story, and learning how to serve as pastors. Pray that God will use this time at SBTC to prepare them for amazing ministry in Naguragum. For Naguragum, Isaiah 9-2 is beginning to be a reality. The people who walk in darkness shall see a great light, a light that will shine to all those who live in the land of the shadow of death. And I want you to know that when a guy like that shows up in a loincloth, he has and his wife have nothing. And when I get an offering from the church, it's to say to him and his wife, don't worry about that. Let's get you here. We'll take care of that. Thank you so much for sponsoring Graham, a man who now says I'm no longer a pagan, but I'm going to be a pastor. From pagans to pastors. It's just incredible. I want to just say a word of prayer over you, and then pastor's going to come. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the church here, Lord. Thank you for their generosity. Lord, uh, I, I pray that as we go into this time of missions pledge, that, Lord, uh, you would speak to each and every one, Lord, that uh, your Holy Spirit would witness in people's hearts would witness in people's hearts, Lord, what, what you want them to do now, Lord. I, I, I thank you for First Assembly, Lord. I thank you that the funds that they've given over the years are reaching around the globe, that, Lord, the sun never sets on the ministries out of this church. Lord, I pray that it will never set on those ministries, Lord, and that your gospel, as long as there's daylight, will be preached, Lord, to every tongue and every tribe. And we look forward to that day in Revelation where we'll all gather together, and we ask all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.